Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Sophie Dollar. My daughter Stacy is here with me. John's here, ready to take your calls and get them on to the uh, get them on the air during this next ninety minutes. Thank you for joining us here uh, for the Bible Live. We got some very interesting passages to cover this evening, and uh, we've been thinking about and praying about what we'd share with you this evening. And uh, we're going to do, I think, something hopefully going to be very very helpful to you. Many of you, uh, I. I think all of you really, even if you're a great, great Bible scholar, it is often good for us to kind of step back just a moment and and kind of get the big picture, the, the whole picture, and that way we can take, uh, especially now that we're into the minor prophets. Uh, for those of you who may be just joining us for the first time and uh, every time we come on the air, there's always somebody that's listening for the first time. They never. What's this all about? This Bible live. What does that mean? Well, we read through the Bible every year. Now we used to do that on the airwaves Monday through Friday. We our would actually literally read the Bible itself every a fifteen to twenty minute Bible reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Uh, now, we've moved our Bible reading now to the website, the Bible Live website. You can go there, thebiblelive.com or biblelive.com, either one. The You can put the word the or not the. You know, it'd be just fine. And you'll go to the Bible Live web, website, and there you just go to our podcast, pick it up there, and you can go down. You can see all 260 Bible readings. The entire Bible is there available for you to listen to. Uh, through the year, and we have our reading schedule. This this is the time of year when we move from uh, the book of the the little books in the back of the Old Testament: Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, uh, and then we end up with the book of Revelation. We'll be reading the book of the Revelation, the last book in the Bible, this coming week. So, uh, if you were to go to the website this coming week, you can find. Uh, the Bible readings, uh, the book of uh, Revelation. We'll finish Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, on Monday night. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we'll go cover the book of Revelation, the Old Testament, I mean the New Testament, the last book in the New Testament. We'll cover that this coming week. And then after that, we usually go directly into the book of Genesis again. In other words, this the beginning of November is always a time when we finish up our reading for one year, and we just start all over again reading through uh, the Bible. We start with the book of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and so we start again. This year, though, we're, we're doing a little bit of adjustment. Uh, after so many years, after a number of years, uh, the there's a little what you call... Mm, 
calendar creep. <laughs> the calendar kind of keeps moving up the days, so we have to put in a week of readings, uh, a, a, another week of broadcast, just to get us back, get Book of Genesis back at the uh, at the uh, first or maybe the beginning of the second week of November. That's the ideal place for it because if we start Genesis at that time then it lines up with our U.S. national calendar. In other words, uh, at Thanksgiving, we're reading a passage relevant to Thanksgiving. At Christmas, we're reading the Christmas story from the book of Matthew. At, uh, oh, let's say uh, Easter time, we're reading the, the resurrection story from the Gospel of John. In other words, in our reading schedule, which is published there on the website, you can see it. Uh, we we kind of lined up with our national holidays, and that's the way it, it worked out beautifully. But so now we had to put in a week of extra broadcasts just so that we can get our readings back on schedule to to hit the um, the U.S. calendar uh, the way we would like for it to line up with our social calendar. And so I put in five special uh, broadcasts that we've done over the years about the Bible. In other words, when we finish up. The book of Revelation this coming year, I mean this coming week, uh, we'll do Revelation and then we'll finish the week after that, the first week of November, we will be, and by the way, uh, as you can see, the book of Revelation is coming up here on Halloween. And so what is Halloween about? It's about witches and goblins and all these uh, mystical sort of uh, spiritual world and so on. Well, we're reading the book of Revelation because we want you to know what the real spiritual world world is about, about angels, about God's people, about God himself, and what God, what the spiritual realm is truly about. And so it lined up pretty well. So we end up Halloween with the book of Revelation. This year, though, I'm going to put a week of special broadcasts about the Bible, the uniqueness of the Bible, how it's like no other book ever written, then we're going to talk about the historical accuracy, the, uh, the the reliability of the Bible. In other words, that book that you read each day, each week, perhaps, hopefully you're getting into God's Word or the, you hear the preacher uh, preach from each week. The, how, how can we know that that's reliable, that that's true, that's accurate? What we're reading when we read the letter of, of Paul to the Corinthians, is that, a, is that what Paul wrote? Uh, in other words, are we getting uh, accurately what Moses wrote, you know, uh, so many hundreds and thousands of years ago, or are we getting the exact text? And that has to do with the translation, the, the text that we got uh, available, and the transmission of that text over the centuries. You know, a lot of people say, oh, the Bible, you can't believe it because it was changed. You know? No, that's not true. So we're going to present to you the evidence on Tuesday night, uh, not only the uniqueness of the Bible, how unique it is as a, as a book, as a text, but also then the reliability, the historical accuracy of the Bible. And you can hear that and see the basis upon which we trust in the Bible's accuracy in, in the sense of history. It's an accurate book been transmitted to us accurately as well. And then Wednesday we'll talk about how do we, why do we believe the Bible to be divine in origin, in source. In other words, not only is the Bible reliable and accurate, but it is supernatural. It's God's Word. How, why do we think that? 
and we'll give the evidence and lay out the evidence there for why the Bible is genuinely, truly thought, not just some mystical, oh, it's it, it's supernatural just because we say so. There are reasons why the Bible is is thought and believed to be an actual word that God himself has moved and spoken and acted in history and supernaturally worked to present to us this this gift, this book, this revelation of who he is and what he's doing in our world. And then on Thursday night, we'll talk about, um, let me see, what is the theme of Thursday night? Uh, about um, the, um, hmm. oh, Bible study methods. I'm going to give you a, a, some basically three or four good ways to study the Bible and some tips about how you can get the most out of your Bible reading and study it and understand it. Uh, The Bible is a book you can just pick up and read it. It's available to us anytime. And if you read certain sections, uh, it'll be very inspiring and beautiful to you. But if you read others, you know, you'll go, what in the world is that about? I wonder wonder what that is. And so we'll, on that Thursday night, we'll talk about some different ways you can study the Bible, uh, different uh, approaches to it, and that they'll be very helpful and I think encouraging to you as well. And then finally on Friday night, I'm going to ask the question, what if the Bible were never written? And, and we're going to talk about the, the powerful effect that this book, these 66 books written over a period of 1,400 years, the incredible impact that this book has had now around the entire globe. Uh, Millions and millions of people uh, understand and believe and trust in it as a revelation of God himself. And uh, we're going to talk, what if the Bible were never written? In other words, what has been uh, some of the the great impact? You know, there's an old saying, uh, the Bible, God changes lives and change lives, change the world. And we're going to track a little bit of that and talk about the the social, uh, international, global impact of this book on human history. So I hope you'll hang out for that as well. This coming week, the book of Revelation leading up to the Halloween, and we'll talk about the spiritual dimension and the spiritual world and what it is and what it's about. And then we'll do that special week of broadcast about the Bible. And then uh, the, that coming, I think it's uh, November 9th is the first Monday. I haven't looked. Is November the 9th the first Monday of of November the is it on a Monday? I believe right. it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Tuesday's the third. Monday will be the second. Seven days later, the ninth. November the ninth. Then uh, we will start Genesis one one and start our way through the Bible again. Uh, this past week, now we have read. Uh, we're in. Like I said, those little books at the end of the Old Testament. Uh, we read uh, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah. The only book left now in the Old Testament that we need to finish up is Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. We will finish that up on um, tomorrow night, on Monday evening, and then we'll go back to the book of Revelation starting on Tuesday. Everybody confused? <laughs> I think I got that. That's a little bit of a whirlwind <laughs> trip. But well, what, if they were confused with that, <laughs> what's next? Yeah, <laughs> now see if I got that was you. Just a primer. If I have you sufficiently confused, then I'll then I'll get into something uh, maybe <laughs> maybe confusing. really confusing. All right. We we thought about tonight. We're in the books of Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and of course tomorrow night Malachi. 
as we're covering these these what are called minor prophets, uh, we're into the books of the prophets, starting uh, with Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Lamentations, and so on, Ezekiel and Daniel, and so on. We had the major prophets, the prophet, the prophetic works that were longer term, many many years, and longer in. Uh, the, the book is longer. Then these books are called the, the minor prophets, not because they're minor or less important. Uh, it's just they they had lesser, shorter times of ministry, and particularly the record of their sermons and messages, uh, the books that bear their names are also shorter. And so they're called the minor prophets. But uh, So we're into those small books at the end of the Old Testament uh, repeating again, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. And we're going to talk about those tonight and give you, um, if you ever wanted to, you can go right to the Bible Live broadcast, get them up, and and I'll read them to you. A beautiful, flawless reading that you'll hear these prophets. But especially when you're hearing the prophets, uh, it's good to know a little bit about their context. If you do, then the prophet's message will be, will be more meaningful. You'll understand more correctly the time in which they ministered, what was the situation uh, in Israel, what was the situation in the whole world, who was the world power at that time, what was going on. And so that is helpful. So I thought I'd start off tonight giving you a little bit of an overview of uh, the entire, particularly the Old Testament, uh, bringing up to the book of Malachi, the, the last of the books of the Bible. The the Old Testament uh, ends in 400 B.C. That's when uh, the book of Malachi is uh, completed. And then we have 400 years of what is called uh, 400 years of silence. Uh, there's no prophet uh, in the Old Testament sense. Things happen, of course. History keeps ha- happening uh, in Israel and so on. And things happen. They're interesting. But in terms of the prophets, they're 400 years of silence. And then the silence is broken by this New Testament prophet named John the Baptist. And he is raised up uh, a prophet in, in the image of, of, of uh, Isaiah. And he is the one who predicts and prepares the way for the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior that the Old Testament has talked about for centuries. uh, John the Baptist becomes that last prophet in the Old Testament sense, uh, presenting to us Jesus of Nazareth, uh, who uh, is the Messiah that was long predicted and prophesied. Now, let's go back, though. Let's Let's take a look at the Old Testament. Right. And so real quickly, just when you say an overview of the Old Testament, um, it, uh, by dates, I think, primarily. Essentially by you're, date, yes. Which is really fun. Just a quick input from, from me. I love, um, that's one of my favorite things about the Bible is just how accessible it is. It <clears> is <throat> God's Word, and sometimes we hear that, and it can feel very weighty or heavy and spiritual and it is spiritual sure. but it is his word written in our time and space real people real land real cultures and it's just fascinating to place that in in history yes. and know that this is and it's such you've an, always liked I've that always little girl i remember <laughs> yeah. she always liked to know right. as paul harvey used to say the rest of the story you know sure. we'd We'd read about Moses or we'd read about Daniel or we'd read about, right. and she'd be wondering, 
Well, what else yeah, was happening in the that. rest of the world? Because it's so typical of God. I mean, he's not just, I mean, he, he is, of course, interested in our spiritual. And, uh-huh. and the Bible is certainly that and feeds our spiritual self. But it's a resource for archaeology. It's a resource for historians. It's a resource when it comes to cultures and sociology. I mean, it's such an academic book. And, oh, yeah. And, I, and so, it's set in history. Right. As John reminded us his before story. the program today, history is his story. Yeah. And, and uh, when you get a sense of that, then it really begins more and more exciting about, wow, yeah. God really was here. God is here acting and speaking and, and guiding yeah, and human history today. to his desired ends. Right, and, even, and, and still is today. And that's yes, so indeed. Encouraging. But I, I just and that's one to, reason I wanted to do it, Stace, yes. is because uh, here we are living in very complex difficulties. Some would even say problematic or worrisome, uh, ang- a lot of anxiety in the right, world. Right. But for God's people, for we have to know that no... No, he's on his throne. God is still guiding history to his desired ends. And it's all all about the redemptive plan of God or humanity. Well, let's start way back. Now, there's there's generally uh, folks, if if you're listening, hang on here. I'm trying to be simple. I'm not going to try to make it more complicated. But if you read through particularly the Old Testament, um, that's where most of us, the Old Testament covers more time actually mm-hmm. probably uh maybe a couple of thousand years whereas the new testament it, it's over i mean it, it all happens within uh within ago. maybe 60 70 years oh, right. Old, the, right. the, uh, the new testament uh the what it records for us is very quick yeah. but the old testament uh covers about 1400 years altogether so let's it starts off uh, historical major historical periods in the bible uh first period is the the historical period, number one, is the events of the creation and the fall of man. It lays the groundwork for the, for the rest of human history. It puts in place some fundamental aspects of our existence. Uh, uh, human nature, you know, the fallen nature of man is talked about. So all of that is laid, the foundation is laid there in the first 12, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, actually, the creation of the world, the heavens and the earth, all living things, including mankind. Uh, and then it talks about the fall of man. That the reason God created the human race is to call men, uh, call the, uh, out of the human race to call a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. And so there was the, op- the opportunity, of course, human beings in that case have to have the freedom to choose God or not God. And that is the fundamental decision, the most fundamental decision that every human being work, makes. Adam and Eve chose not to follow God, to chose to disobey God and, and rebel, uh, not trust in God. And so that that presented, in other words, now from Adam and Eve on, every human being that approaches the relationship with God, we approach it from the side of fallen, uh, sinful human beings, sinful selfishness, essentially, human beings. And, but we are still, God, even in Genesis, told us we're going to have a redeemer. I'm going to send a, a Messiah. That's the word Messiah. It's predicted. He's predicted over 300 times, uh, starting in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And, the, and I'm talking about verbal prediction. There are many other predictions of the Messiah that are symbolic. Uh, the the design of the tabernacle, the uh, the fact that God presented uh, killed an animal in 
gave skins to cover Adam and Eve in, in their shame after their sin. In other words, there's, there are also dramatized presentations of the Messiah, but verbal predictions about the Messiah, where he'd be born, we'd look at one of those tonight in the book of Micah. Five, chapter 5, verse 2, in Bethlehem, would be the Messiah would be born. That was uh, about 500 years before Jesus was born. Micah predicted that the Messiah would be born in this little, tiny little town of Bethlehem. So there, there, the first period is Genesis chapters 1 through 11. The second historical period, where after chapter 11 and chapter 12, God picks up with Abraham and his sons. In other words, the patriarchal period. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, God, his focus is always the whole world, but he's going to, it's going to take place with specific people, a people group and, and a nation group. So we see that starting out with Abraham uh, in chapter 12 through the end of the book of Genesis. It starts out in a garden, and the ba- last book of Genesis ends up in, in a coffin in Egypt with uh, our good friend Joseph. So we hear the stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, the patriarchs, uh, in that second period. The third historical period picks up then with Moses. After the 400 years in, in Egypt, God calls Moses to calls him to lead the people of Israel, that, that people group. Now, this is not a genetic group necessarily. Uh, there, It's always about people from every race, every tribe, every language, every culture, every ethnicity, every gender. Uh, it's all about God calling people for himself. But he does it through a specific people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. He uses them, Moses now, and all of them are in their own way a picture of this Messiah, this Redeemer, the ultimate Redeemer and Savior who will be coming. So we pick up in historical period number three with Moses and and the people of Israel. Now, just interestingly, way back in Genesis, when God talks to Abraham uh, and calls him out of the Ur of the Chaldeas, way over in uh, east of Israel, he says, I'm going to call you to a, a, a nation, uh, to a land that you don't even know about, uh, and, and I'm going to I'm promised to give it to you. So Abraham goes across the Fertile Crescent up to uh, Nineveh, you know, the Euphrates River. And, and then he comes down to Canaan and he says, I'm going to give this land to you. And he said, but first, you know, I'm, your people, your descendants are going to spend 400 years in captivity in Egypt. And then when the time is ripe, they'll come out of Egypt and the people of Canaan will be ripe for judgment. They were so wicked and so immoral and so godless that they would be time for judgment, and God would use the people of Israel, the the descendants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph, and so on, bring them out of Egypt, and that's what Moses did. In this third period, he leads them out of Egypt, and they spend 40 years in the wilderness. They go to Mount Sinai to receive the laws of God, and then they spend 40 years in the wilderness, and then they end up on the uh, on the base, on the banks of the Jordan River ready to go in, to that promised land that God had told uh, Abraham about 400 years before. So those... those And real quickly, that promised land and where that strategic... Canaan. Is, it was, was Canaan. Is present-day Israel. And is Israel. still present-day yep. Israel. Just. It, it, wasn't a, it was much larger at that time. Now mm-hmm. Israel is much reduced in size. But it's that same little piece of real estate, mm-hmm. which is really strategic, Stacey. It, it's an time, amazing thing uh-huh. that God called Abraham way over here to the east... In, the east, in, yeah. in, in, 
I'm going to put you in that spot. Mm-hmm. That's the land. And why? Because all of the for for hundreds of years, the great empires of the world, the center surrounded, surrounded it. Egypt in the south, then Aram in the north with their capital Damascus. Then there was Assyria with its capital of Nineveh, and then there was the Medo-Persian Empire in Babylon with the capital of Babylonia, and then of course came the Greek Empire with Alexander, and in the Roman Empire after yeah. that. So that we all talked about in the book of Daniel. Remember, Daniel yeah. predicted all that. Yeah. So we got this little piece of illustrate, very strategic, very special, that God called Abraham to go to. And then now uh, in under Moses, in the fourth period, uh, Moses is the one who comes and, and they enter the the uh, promised land under the leadership of Joshua. Mm-hmm. And so right now we're at about 1450 B.C.? Yeah, about 1450 B.C., okay. 1400. And, and uh, the, the, the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy have been written. They were written by Moses in that 40-year period in the wilderness mm-hmm. as they wandered around. Uh, Moses w- wrote the, the uh, Torah, the Tanakh, I mean the Torah, uh, in that period, okay. with the laws of God there from Sinai and so on. So then uh, Joshua enters in the he entered the t- time of the conquest. As you remember, Joshua was an old man, and they entered. They spent about now about twenty five or thirty years, about seven years of hard battle, where he uh, fights the kingdoms of the north and the kingdoms of the south, and then they 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 conquer uh, Canaan, and then the, about twenty twenty five years, each of the tribes are supposed to. Uh, um, pacified their particular allotment of land in the promised land. And so that happened in the period of the judges. It's a 325-year period. And, oh, there we, we, got into, we got into the promised land uh, at least. In the first segment. So we're in that first segment. And we'll come back and talk about after the time of the judges. That, then we enter about 325 years of the judges. Uh, and then we'll transfer to the time of the kingdom, the kingdom united under uh, Saul and David and Solomon, and then the kingdom divided. Now, there's a method to my madness, folks. I'm giving you a kind of a fast overview of the history of the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, this is what is taking place. And then we're going to plug in these minor prophets and tell you what are the role of the prophets in this historical narrative of the Old Testament. Don't go away. If you'd like to give us a call, the phone number is 210-340-9585. Hear the call of the kingdom. Great music, John. Good. That kind of leads us into our our topic here. We're going to start talking about the age of the kingdom age. Remember, I told you the first historical period was the creation, the fall period. Then it picked up with Abraham in chapter 12. We pick up with Abraham and the, and the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Joseph down in a coffin in Egypt at the end of the book of Genesis. And then we go into the historical period, number three, which is about Moses and the time of the Exodus. Um, Moses bringing the people of Israel out of, uh, uh, out of Egypt. And then the uh, nation building that takes place there at the base of Mount Sinai with the giving of the Ten Commandments, the laws of God. And then the 40 years of walking in the wilderness where Moses wrote the the Tanakh, the, I mean the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. And then we had jo- uh, Joshua taking the people of Israel across the River Jordan into the Promised Land to begin the time of the conquest. 
uh, a time of about 25 or 30 years. It started off with seven years of battle, a hard battle of the kings of the north and kings of the south, and then about uh, 20, 25 years of where the tribes were individually supposed to clear out the land that had been allotted to each of them. So that brings us up to the period of the judges. At that time, there was no king, and each man did what was right in his own eyes. Then you come to the time of the judges. Um, uh, about, what was it, about 750, um, 775? Um, uh, no, I'm sorry, 1350, 1375. <laughs> oh, boy, that was off. 1375 right. uh, B.C. Yeah. Yeah. with the time of the judges. And so you go 300, 325 years with that, and then you come to a period called the time of the United Kingdom, <laughs> uh, historical period number a six. United Kingdom. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> no, I'm not talking <laughs> about UK, about England either. The kingdom, uh, Israel, uh, they want a king uh, after the time of the judges, and they ask for a king. And starting in 1050 BC, Saul was the first king of, of Israel, the United. 12 tribes of Egypt, uh, Egypt, Israel. You had Saul uh, in 1050. Then you had David in 1010. Each of these, thankfully, God helped us out a little bit <laughs> with the first kings of Israel because they all ruled for 40 years, right. more or less. It's not exact, but it, in 1050 is Saul, and 1010 is David. 970 B.C. is Solomon, David's son. And then after 40 years of Solomon, in 930, his son Rehoboam is a stubborn, arrogant kid, and he leads to the division of the kingdom. The ten tribes in the north break away from Judah and Benjamin in the south, and we have the, the time of the, the kingdom divided. Uh, the northern ten tribes are called Israel, and the two tribes in the south, Benjamin and Judah, are called Judah. And so we enter into that historical period number six of the kingdom divided. Uh, and then that period at last, well, about 930, 922 in that area, that range, uh, it lasts for about 200 years. Uh, and all of the kings of the north, all of the kings of the north are wicked and evil, about 22 of them. And all of the kings of the south, there are eight of the kings of the south, are godly, uh, godly leaders, righteous, godly leaders who try to trust God as best they can and obey God, honor God. And so that's what happens. So we follow the history now of the kingdom divided. When you earlier you said Rehoboam um, was the beginning of the end of the United Kingdom. End of kingdom. the Solomonic. Or right, the, yeah. and you said uh, that the northern broke away. Yeah. Is that is that right, or would it be more accurate to say the southern broke away? No, the, no, the northern, the, the northern, they rebelled against the kings of David okay. and, the, and the lineage of David. So Rehoboam rebelled and took... Jeroboam rebelled. Jeroboam. Rehoboam was the, was, was uh, the, the son of Solomon. Okay, okay. So they followed the Davidic line yep. in the in Judah. Okay. They followed it the, because that was the line of the covenant. God right. had promised through the David would okay. come the Messiah. Okay. And so the, they followed, they continued to follow the Davidic line. The, in the north, they went with a man named Jeroboam who started right off the bat rebelling against God, okay. discouraging people from going to the temple. He put up a, a, a golden calf right. okay. and so on. Okay. So Jeroboam leads, and they have 200 years of, of, of unfaithfulness. And I've thought about this a lot. It could be, now what you have to understand, folks, is that what God is doing all through this 
uh, we can see this better now in hindsight than we saw than they probably saw in their moment. Now, the, the 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 people who are godly in the Old Testament are the people who understood what God was doing. Mm-hmm. God is calling out of the human race a, a people for himself, every race, every tribe, every nation, every, every people group. Mm-hmm. And so the people of Israel, this nation that God had pulled together, uh, this people group, and gave the land of Canaan, he strategically placed them in that position. They had two, two tasks. The covenant that God made with Israel, one part of it was a, a, an earthly covenant, that they were to be there and to be, a, they were to shine brightly for God. They were a little beacon of monotheism in the midst of a polytheistic world, an idolatrous and wicked, immoral world. And that little land of Israel stood there, and sometimes they failed. Many times they gave in to the influence, and they became more like the wicked, uh, godless, immoral people, the tribes and nations around them. Other times they were faithful and good and came back to God. The remnant. The, the, yeah, the remnant. remnant. There's always a remnant within there that were followed after God and loved God. And they, they understood their particular calling was to know God, honor God, to be a light, to keep the shine alive, the witness of the true and living God. And secondly was that God is going to bring through them as a people group this Messiah, this, this special one. He would come through the lineage of David. The, and and that's why the the prediction here in Micah is so important tonight in the Micah chapter five verse two, out of Bethlehem, it means the Bethlehem means city of bread, but but out of it's also called the city of David. That's where David was born. Mm-hmm. If you look at the book of Ruth, you'll see that Ruth uh, was from Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Naomi, uh, um, Naomi, her her mother-in-law. They were from Bethlehem. She went back. She Ruth married Boaz, who was the great grandfather of, of uh, who was it Obed, who was the father of David, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's just, I mean, it's just astounding, really. But uh, that, you see the strategy of that particular piece of land, and this people group that God had preserved, and that God is going to bring the Messiah through them. Mm-hmm. So for the redemptive plan of God, then uh, God was always reaching out to people from other tribes, other nations. Um, in all in Assyria, Babylon, all these nations, are, it was never closed to the people of Israel. Uh, in fact, once they converted, Ruth was a Moabitess. Right. Once they converted, they became part of spiritual Israel. They became part of Israel. Right. Habakkuk was. Uh, and Habakkuk, Obadiah, we mentioned the other night, right. was not uh, a Jew. He was he was an Edomite yeah. actually. Yeah. And then now we ha- we're going to see his son Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonight is one of the books we read, uh, also uh, uh, with uh, one of the minor prophets. So where am I trying to get? I'm so going we to the divided seven, kingdom. Right. So we were at 930 B.C., roughly 9922, and so then the kingdom... Um, divided? Div- uh, divided at 930, and so then 722, I think, is the next. 722 is when uh, the kingdom in the north is uh, crushed, d- destroyed, and by the... By People of Nineveh. Remember Jonah, and we're going to see tonight. Right. Nahum is another prophet who ch- spoke to the, the nation of, of, of uh, uh, Nineveh, uh, of uh, Assyria in the right. north. Uh, Jonah pronounced their judgment, but they repented, and God laid, held back his judgment and their destruction. But the Nahum lets them have it, and they get, uh, they get destroyed 100 years after Jonah. And so uh, you, you can see the little bit of the history falling in place here. 
So um, what am and I so trying to northern, say? So the northern kingdom at that point falls and yeah. is Samaria is gone. the final capital mm-hmm. of the ten tribes in the north. And they fall, the and, city of and Samaria. They never, ever, they never They've never been brought they back to you. They were never back. restored. They did not return from exile. They were led away in chains, uh, hooks through their noses, wow. and uh, they call them the ten lost tribes. You yeah. may have heard them referenced wow. at some point. So then uh, you have Judah, Benjamin. 722 B.C., that right. happened. Right, okay, and so then between 722 and 586, yes, you have just the southern tribes. So you have 136 Judah, years. Benjamin and Judah and Benjamin, and those that had maybe come yeah. for flood from the north to the yeah. south, which you said were probably likely a yeah. lot of Levites. Yeah, a lot of the Levites, uh, many people that loved God and wanted to keep honoring God and worship God, they mm-hmm. fled from the northern tribes to the south. Uh, and they were still following the 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 the, the um, sovereign lineage of David mm-hmm. through the, the uh, kingdoms in the south. And so then uh, in five eighty six, in five eighty six, then Judah was also taken into exile. And we've been talking about now when you get into the prophets, see the the books of First and Second Kings, uh, uh, the books of First and Second Samuel, the First and Second Kings. Those are books of history, and they lead us. Uh, they introduce us through this period when when uh, Samuel, the book of Samuel, remember he he picks up uh, from Eli, he's a, and he transitions from the time of the priest to the prophets, the times of the judges to the kings, and then you have uh, Samuel, uh, uh, books of Samuel, he introduces uh, Saul and David and Solomon. First and Second Kings cover the kingdom divided, a lot of the kingdom divided. The, uh, well, First Kings about David. And then you have the kingdom divided. And it talks about all these different kings in the north and the south. It can be pretty confusing if you don't understand now that you've got these two kingdoms, the north. I think that God established the kingdoms in the north as a buffer for the godly, the kings of Judah. In other words, it allowed the kingdom of God, God's kingdom is working with people to endure another 136 years after Samaria fell than those who weren't true and faithful to the to the call of God to Israel, they were taken and it gave Judah and Benjamin another 136 years to exist and, and, and to be a witness, but also for God to get, you know, uh, um, uh, generation after generation for God to be bringing that Messiah who came from the lineage of both Joseph and Mary, uh, Jesus' earthly parents, were from the tribe of David, both of them, from the royal lineage. So then it's just amazing. If you watch this through, uh, the Bible is unique. The biblical revelation is unique in that it has... It has its feet on the ground. It is mm-hmm. historical. You can, and for that reason, we can check it out. Yeah. We can see: is it true? Is it right? Is it accurate? Is it yeah. dependable? It is uh, fun to read phew. these and to cross-reference. Mm. You know who who is whose contemporary? If Obadiah is here, where is is Habakkuk? Where is where is Jeremiah with Isaiah? Where is Anna? And so now we are into those minor prophets, and most yeah. of this is happening. Between 930 B.C. and 586 right. B.C. That's when so the prophets come in to bear on the Old Testament when you when you see uh, even David. Remember the David, the, the uh, uh, what was the name of the prophet? Uh, the, uh, Nathan. Nathan, who mm-hmm. wagged his bony finger in David's face and said, you're thou art the man. You're the one. That's, you know. So the prophets took on that role of confronting the kings, those in power of their era 
not only the kings, but the wealthy, the powerful, the, and, 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 and holding up the standard of God uh, in their moment. So the thing you have to do when you get to the prophets, the thing that's helpful is to understand where they fit historically, what was their time slot, and who was the king uh, that they spoke to, what was the... Were they speaking to Israel in the north or to Judah in the south? Which kings were they addressing? Uh, and then also, uh, or some t- some of the prophets actually preached to other lands. Like mm-hmm. like you said a while ago, Obadiah was himself an Edomite, uh, mm-hmm. and he uh, his messages were primarily to Edom, right. pronouncing judgment and warning to them. Right. Or even those that were in exile. And then you get into the you know Daniel and yeah. So, uh, so when you hear these prophets, we're going to talk tonight. Uh, I guess we're going to have to be kind of quick with it, but not overly so. We'll we'll take time to uh, for you to uh, track with us. We're going to talk about the prophets Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and they are called minor prophets. But they uh, three of them: Micah, uh, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah were during the Assyrian uh, era when Assyria was still a great power and they were predicting, preaching to Assyria, warning the nation of Israel in the north that Assyria was going to come and and to and destroy conquer them. them and destroy them. And so three of them, Micah, Nahum, and uh, Zephaniah, were during the Assyrian period. Uh, Zeph- um, I'm sorry, Habakkuk, by the way, who is a very interesting individual. We'll talk a little bit about him in depth. Habakkuk is another of the of the prophets who is not himself um, ethnically uh, Jewish. Uh, in fact, he has a very interesting background. Obadiah, we read about Obadiah. Obadiah is his father. Obadiah, according to Jewish tradition, uh, Obadiah was um, the prophet that under Elijah. Under Elijah, Obadiah was that prophet that saved. He was a an official in Ahab and Jezebel's uh, palace, but he was faithful. He saved the lives of a, he hid a hundred uh, prophets of God and, and saved their lives. And remember, uh, Elijah meets him and is encouraged by him. Um, he ultimately is is killed. He's martyred because of his faith and his faithfulness to God. Uh, his wife, now here I get a little confusing, a little fuzzy. Maybe someone can help me. But his wife is a, a Phoenician woman, uh, and, and she is the one that Elisha promises a child. Mm-hmm. And that child is Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. And he saves, he lays on Habakkuk and say, brings him back to life, restores him, uh, resuscitates him to life. uh, Habakkuk does, and so that's uh, that. Those are two of the non-Jewish writers of the Old Testament. Would be Obadiah and Habakkuk. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But uh, let's start now with Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah. Now Haggai and Zechariah, the last two we'll talk about. They are the they the first two of the three post-exilic. In other words, these three prophets uh, were prophets. And when you hear the word prophet, I think you can think in general, general term, preacher. They were there announcing the oracles of God, uh, forth-telling uh, forth the, the, the will of God in their moment, but also force, foretelling, speaking into the future as well. 
Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, the last three books of the Old Testament, they were prophets that had their ministry after the exile. In other words, after Cyrus the Great had allowed the people of Israel under Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah, after they had been allowed to return to Israel to begin rebuilding uh, the temple and, and then rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem under Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, Zerubbabel was the one that, that helped. Uh, they call it the Temple of Zerubbabel, the, that temple that w- was built after Neb- uh, Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed it. So that 70-year period from 586 to 516 B.C., those are the 70 years of exile. And, and um, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, no, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi are the three last prophets of the Old Testament. They were preaching to the people of Israel who had returned from the Babylonian exile. Okay, so that, uh, that's where we get started. Tonight, let's pick up with Micah, uh, the little book of Micah. Uh, what did we determine? It was uh, seven chapters, I believe, seven if I chapters. remember correctly. Uh-huh. Yep. Seven chapters. Micah is one who pre- preaching during the time of the Assyrian, before Assyria had been des- had destroyed uh, them. And Micah, his, he is preaching primarily to Judah in the south, but he also um, has words for Israel, the ten tribes in the north. Um, Micah uh, exercised his ministry from 739 to 686 mm-hmm. B.C., a uh, hundred years before the, the uh, w- Jerusalem was destroyed. He would have been a contemporary then of Isaiah. Yes. Hosea. Yeah, he was a contemporary of Isaiah, and okay. he uh, was living and ministering during the 722 when Israel in the north was destroyed. Yeah, okay. He watched uh, his predictions come true about Israel in the north. Um, there were three kings. That he, rep- he prophesied during the reign of three different kings. Okay. The third king was Hezekiah who led one of the great revivals right. of the Old Testament. Hezekiah was a, a godly, godly man. His grandson was Josiah, another uh, godly, of the godly uh, uh, godly kings in the north. And, of course, Micah, one, uh, one reason I love Micah is he was one of the first, and maybe this is appropriate right now because this is about the time that you can start playing Christmas music and dreaming of <laughs> yeah and we hear that verse predicted because he predicted yes. that out of bethlehem, out of bethlehem. would come well, the thing we learn about god from the book of micah primarily is that god is a god of prediction and prophecy yep. in other words he establishes that god is guiding human history to to his desired ends and mm-hmm. when you get into the details of that stace john when you get in it is just in the most fascinating study in the world the, the way God has moved, the, through whom he moved, the way he worked through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and in Egypt, and, and he did it in such a way that mm-hmm. then when, uh, of course, these minor, these minor prophets are leading up to the Messiah himself, and it's in the time of Jesus, the Messiah, when the message of God's redemptive plan explodes, ex- literally, almost literally explodes out of Jerusalem, across the Roman Empire, and now around planet Earth today, millions from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Remember old David's prayers in the book of the Psalms? Let all the nations praise the Lord. Let every and every yeah. tongue and all. 
it's it's being we're seeing that now in the time of messiah the time of the harvest all around planet earth people from every tribe and nation and language group are coming to know about god the the true living god and his plan of redemption for humanity so So that's where we are now and micah was from where was micah micah would have been you're going to keep me on target aren't you that's good that's good Uh, (laughs) so micah was um and he was telling the northern tribes that Assyria was coming. Yes, Assyria that Assyria was, was toast. Okay, and Jonah <laughs> would have gone to Assyria, to Nineveh about a hundred years before. No, you're talking Micah. about Nahum now. Okay. okay. Not Micah. Micah was, uh, uh, as you said, contemporary uh, with, uh, you said, Isaiah. Isaiah, yes. And he was warning the people. His messages were primarily to Judah in the south, but also warning. Uh, he he uh, would he have seen the would he have seen Assyria um, destroy ultimately? Um, Israel? Yeah, he saw he, he saw through. Israel in the north and destroyed. Okay. Jeremiah quotes Micah's predictions when okay. he talks to the people of Judah in the south about the destruction of Jude, of Jerusalem. Okay. So Jeremiah quotes Micah uh, uh, years later. Uh, he is placed on trial for preaching against Judah, predicting Jerusalem's destruction. Chapter 26, verse 18, Jeremiah quotes Micah. But Micah predicts the, the, the place. He, his primary, he tells us about prophecy. He talks about a God of pardon. Mm-hmm. This has three P words, prophecy, pardon, and peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the God of Micah. That's that's the primary, the message that he presents. Then Nahum is also preaching to the to the nations in the north to uh, Israel in the north, he predicts their uh, destruction. Okay. Uh, so uh, also, Micah talks about the three things that God requires. Right. What, is, what is it? Chapter 6, verse 8. It's one Chapter of those. 6, verse Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. And oh, yeah, that's a beautiful, powerful verse. Yeah. 5, 2 is the one from Micah where he predicts uh, you, oh Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Yep. <laughs> So uh, Nahum then is in Nahum is called to preach to Nineveh, just like Jonah was a hundred years earlier. But now he's telling them that you know you're, you know, turn out the lights, the party's over, you know, stick a fork. <laughs> what does I say? Uh, you're done. Stick a fork in it. You're done. So uh, Nahum is warning the people of. Uh, Israel in the north mm-hmm. that the, they're going to be destroyed by the Assyrians and of course that was pre- that prediction is carried through in um, 722 BC the Lord's uh, anger against Nineveh he starts in his first chapter but he also predicts that they will be used to judge the people of um, Israel in the north wow that flew by too fast Stacy. But we got through Micah and Nahum. Now next we're going to get to this very unusual prophet, Habakkuk. His story is remarkable. I hope you'll hang on to it with us and hear it. And don't go away. The Bible Live will continue. By the way, phone number 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. Love to hear from you if you'd like tonight on The Bible Live.
and keep you. Remember the ironic blessing that we instructed in the scriptures. We uh, we have that there for us tonight. Thanks, John. Aaron. You keep doing I'm doing yourself Aaron. with it. Great music. Yeah. The ironic. What did I say? Oh, it, it, for a moment it sounded like ironic. Make sure to. Ironic. Okay, we've got a little bit of time now. We've talked about Micah, Nahum, uh, who preaches. Uh, both of those are during this um, Assyrian era. Habakkuk here preaches uh, just prior to the 605, the first invasion of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, into uh, Jerusalem after the Battle of Carchemish. We talked about mm -hmm. the historical yeah. setting, uh, the big Battle of Carchemish where, where Nebuchadnezzar uh, conquers and defeats Egypt and takes over the, 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 the known world, becomes the great uh, emperor. Uh, emperor. Uh, then he, after that battle, on his way back to Babylon is where he invades his first invasion of Israel and he takes all of the temple wealth and riches and the gold uh, instruments and utensils uh, in 605. And he takes Ezekiel and Daniel yeah. <laughs> and that first group back over into Babylon, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and so on. We've talked about that already. So Habakkuk is predicting then the, uh, the, the, the fact that God is going to uh, judge uh, Judah in the south mm -hmm. using... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar and, and the, um, the Babylonian Empire. Now, remember Habakkuk, as we mentioned before, is not himself Jewish. He's the son of Obadiah. He's uh, you know Edomite in his background there. And he, um, he, his book is characterized by questions. I always liked Habakkuk because he questions God. And Very a lot of people are afraid to ask God questions. Very Socratic. Yeah, 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 right, it is. It, uh, but a lot of people, oh, no, we just live by faith. You can't question God. You can't ask God why he did this and why he did that. You know, you, uh, that that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible encourages questions. In fact, mm -hmm. if we're ready to hear the answer or able to hear the answer, and if we're willing to trust him no matter what. Yeah, which is like that psalm. That that's we, that's uh, what we get out mm -hmm. of Habakkuk. He, he he asked God in the opening uh, chapters of his book, he asked God two questions. One, why are you so indifferent to evil? And isn't that the question we ask? Oh, God, what's going on? Why do you, you know, these wicked rulers and these, you know, why do we have these people who are wicked and, 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 and they're selfish and they're, and they're, you know, get rich, you know, they, but they seem to be prospering, you know, the. The wicked seem to prosper. They're the ones that get wealthy. They get elected this or that or the other. And Especially when it seems so anti. I mean, I mean, if God's was God brought them there in the first place, God planted them in mm -hmm. that spot in the first place. Why then now are you allowing us to be destroyed, that's, to be invaded, to yeah. be? <laughs> that's the lesson. That that's mm -hmm. the question that the Habakkuk ans ask yeah. in the first chapter. Mm -hmm. Why, why, Lord, are you seemingly indifferent to evil? And I think his question was, how long must he have to wait? How long do we have to put up with this? Yeah. And, and at some point, that's all of our questions. And, in and all of us at why, some point. Yeah, why why did happening? you bring this here? Why are we on why, this earth? Why, <laughs> how long do we have to put up with yeah. this uh, coronavirus? How long right. do we have to go with this and that, mm -hmm. this leader or that leader or whatever? Mm -hmm. and, and we we all ask that. And, and Habakkuk dares to ask that question. Mm -hmm. and, and God answers him, which is the great thing. 
And, and he says, I'm going to, don't worry, I'm going to judge that wickedness that you're talking about, and I'm going to destroy Judah, Jerusalem, Judah, and I'm going to do it using the king of Babylon. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> Habakkuk says, that brings me another question. Why would you use them? They're more wicked than we are. Why would you, America, Lord, why would you judge us using Iraq or Iran or, or Korea? They're they're far more wicked or China. They're more wicked than we are. Why would you? Well, you know, we, well, that's what Habakkuk asked. Why would you use Babylon, uh, a nation more wicked than we are even, to judge our wickedness? And, of course, God answers that. He said, don't worry, I'm going to take care of Babylon as well. Um, mm -hmm. but, but God raises up empires, and he brings down empires and nations. He is, he is acting uh, to carry out his designs. Now, and that's one verse that we see in, particularly in the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 do you have that do you have that Stacy I, I I could read it here I, I can find it real quick I'm right here on the book here Habakkuk 2 4 see if you recognize this folks see if you recognize this verse uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 the, the Lord's second reply Write my answer plainly on the tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. Uh, it's, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. That sounds like Peter. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, mm -hmm. but he is patient, long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repent, repentance. Peter may have had that in mind. Uh, if it seems slow in coming... Uh, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by faith in God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The the righteous will live by that. Who quotes that? Does that sound familiar? Uh, Paul quotes that in the book of Romans, the, in the book of Galatians. The righteous sh man shall walk and live by faith. Mm -hmm. This principle of faith. We find it in Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, and the New Testament, uh, three different places, this powerful principle of faith. Mm -hmm. uh, and that we walk and live by faith. In other words, there are some things about God and his ways that are hard to understand, yes, but he is faithfully and continually guiding history, uh, raising up nations, bringing down nations, and so on, to his desired ends. Now, one thing we can uh, look at verse uh, in, in the book of Habakkuk. God tells Habakkuk that, but he also tells Habakkuk what the primary, the primary factor that we should think about. If we're looking at our day today with Russia, with, uh, Ukraine, with Ukraine, with uh, Iraq and Iran and Korea and all the world things going along, and we're trying to figure out what is God doing? What? Why is this president being elected or that president? What's going on? What? God is, God is sovereign God. And, but if you want to get a sense of what God is doing and why he's doing it, one of the primary factors is the harvest. Look what God told uh, uh, Habakkuk. Chapter 3, verse 14. The time will come when all the earth will be filled as the waters fill the sea with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. That is God's ultimate plan, the harvest. How many more uh, thousands and millions of human beings can hear the message of the gospel, 
can, can trust in God and get to know the true and living God. That is the great, the biggest factor. Yes, uh, holiness and righteousness is, is there, but the biggest factor is how is God going to continue to move forward the redemptive plan for all of humanity? So take that factor into mind when we're thinking about what God might be doing in our time, in our era. So that moves us from Habakkuk. We talk about Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. And now we go to Zephaniah. Uh, Zephaniah was king during the time of Josiah. Remember that Josiah was killed in about 605 B.C. because he went out to fight against Necho, the the king of Egypt, who was going up to Carchemish to engage, to fight against Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Josiah went out to interrupt him, to intercept him, and to fight against the king Necho of Egypt. And he was killed in that battle, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, was partial to, to, to Israel. He didn't, he didn't necessarily want to destroy yeah. uh, Israel, but, but he, he, was, he was well-intentioned. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar had had a powerful influence from the true and living God mm-hmm. through Daniel. Daniel yeah. And so Nebuchadnezzar was partial. He was, he was sympathetic with yeah. Israel. But Josiah added to that when he went out and did that. But then the people of Israel under Jeremiah's, when he began to predict, they rebelled against, continually against Nebuchadnezzar to where finally he was forced to to uh, go in and, and destroy the mm-hmm. temple in Jerusalem in 586. So Zephaniah uh, predicted and preached during the time of Josiah. He was going to, he predicted that God would destroy three kinds of people in Judah and Jerusalem, pagans, hypocrites, and dropouts. You can see that in chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. He tells that he's going to judge the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, and in the guide, in, uh, he says that in the day of judgment, ultimately, God is going to remove the proud and the arrogant. This is one of the great basic truths of Scripture, Stace. God resists the proud and the arrogant. And he lifts up the humble, the broken, uh, uh, the weak and the yeah. humble and the broken. Which which kind of brings us to, uh, during the break, I had talked about how fascinating to me it was that Benjamin was, the tribe of Benjamin was preserved, yes. especially after what happened in Judges. Um, and, uh, yes, that, it's a very good illustration um, of that. And, and, yet there, and, and then that Judah, so Judah and Benjamin, and both of those uh, have roots in, to in in Judah who was humble and who yes. was willing to give his life for his younger brother. Yeah. And then no doubt the tribe of Benjamin was very I'm humble. not sure our listeners are tracking with you the the passage but right. remember that 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 ben, the first king of Israel was Saul mm-hmm. who came from the tribe of Benjamin which is interesting because yeah. Benjamin <coughs> was the smallest and weakest of tribes particularly yeah. at that time. Because remember, at the end of the book of Judges, it's Benjamin is the, is the tribe in which that terrible crime took place, yeah. and all the tr- other tribes of Israel came up against them and and wiped, almost almost wiped them out, almost, wiped them out yeah. and, and, and almost destroyed the entire tribe of Benjamin. And then some tribe of w- wives were found for them from some other tribe, and they kind of slowly brought the tri- tribe of Benjamin back to a little bit of health. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, it, when they came time to choose a king, 
Yes. Overall, they chose the tribe of Benjamin, this this King Saul, mm-hmm. uh, which is an interesting uh, thing to think about and ponder. Mm-hmm. Why would God choose that? You know, mm-hmm. Samuel, God told him, choose. There is the guy. Saul mm-hmm. is your your man. But you get this sense that the that that there was always a, a ribbon of of humility. There yeah. might have been yeah. a fall into pride, and they would fallen and broken. And who was the other one you talked about? Uh, the, the the Judah. Well, Judah. Judah yes. came into prominence. Judah was not the oldest of the twelve mm-hmm. of the sons of Jacob. Uh, Reuben was, in mm-hmm. fact, but Reuben was eliminated because of his unfaithfulness, his uh, sexual unfaithfulness to his wife, own wife and to his father's concubine. But but yes. Judah gained that prominence because he was willing to give his life for his little for uh, Joseph Benjamin, Joseph's little brother. Yeah. When they got down into Egypt, he said, "I'm going to keep Benjamin here." And Judah said, oh, that would break his father's heart. Take me instead. Yeah, and Joseph and, was moved. And right. Joseph was moved to tears. Right. So we we see this brokenness, this right. humility. Uh, right. God resists the proud and the arrogant. He raises up right. so now the broken. Then years, yeah, years later, now in the southern tribes, you only have Judah and Benjamin and those that fled to the southern, to the south. Yeah. And that is the scene in which. Uh, yeah. And that's Rebecca the message of Zephaniah. Zephaniah. Yeah. Zephaniah preached during the reign of Josiah, the young. Remember the eight year old king that was placed on the throne and he led one of the great revivals in the right. Old Testament as well. Mm-hmm. Josiah did during his during his reign uh, as a teenager. He read the Bible and the Bible that was. Do you know that was the initial title of this program? Uh, it wasn't the Bible Live. It was the Josiah Project. Aww. We were reading the Bible. Yeah. Our dream and hope and was that God would use the reading of his word to to fan the flames of faith mm-hmm. in God's people and call us back to him and to bring about the conversion of those who didn't know God. and would. So that was the original name of this program, the Josiah Project, all about King Josiah. Um, then Suzanne came up with the name The Bible Live, so <laughs> my wife re, uh, renamed it. So now we've got two more books that we read this past week, Haggai and Zechariah. They are both post-exile. They exercised their ministry after Israel had been taken into the 70 years of exile and then were restored and given permission to go back to um, back to Jerusalem. And so um, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, the last three, prof- three prophets in the Old Testament are uh, post-exilic uh, prophets. And Haggai essentially was calling the people to get busy rebuilding the temple. Uh, keep your priorities straight. Keep your eye on the, uh, on, on the prize. That's what we're here to do is to, to rebuild the temple. Now, remember, the 70 years of exile are from 586 to 516, and and, and Haggai was there urging them on, don't get distracted, don't get lazy, don't be fearful, finish that. And we measure the 70 years of exile from 586 to 516, 515, when the temple uh, was completed. The altar of the temple was completed. That's when they measure the 70 years of exile. Um they had had poor harvest. They had lots of stress and tension. They had been attacked by the people around them. And yet uh, Governor Zerubbabel and the high priest, Yeshua, uh, they responded to Haggai's message. They, in chapter 1, verse 12, they obeyed the message of Haggai to get back to rebuilding, rebuilding, 
restoring the temple. Would they have had the scrolls that Josiah found? Would that have been left con- um, preserved in it? I don't know that they would or would not have if they had the book of the Chronicles. Now, <coughs> Ezra wrote for the post-exilic, for these returnees, mm-hmm. Ezra wrote the book of uh, Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and then, of course, you have Nehemiah as well. They're supervising the rebuilding of the walls. Ezra wrote the books of Chronicles, a selected history the, the three great books of history are Samuel, First and Second Samuel. All of these were originally one book, the book of Samuel. Mm-hmm. Then they divided it when the Bible was being translated from Hebrew to Greek. It became First and Second Samuel, probably to do with the just physical what could fit on the scroll. <laughs> you know. So yeah. First and Second Samuel and then First and Second Kings. Chronicles then is a work of history, but it's written by Ezra after the exile. It's a selected history to remind those people who had returned, uh, made that thousand-mile trip from, from Babylon to Israel, uh, re- reminding them of who they are, mm-hmm. their, their f- physical heritage as, as Israel, the people of God, and their spiritual legacy and heritage uh, to call them to be the p- faithful in their role of keeping alive the witness to the cr- true and living God. So that's, um, that's Haggai. Uh, Now, Zechariah and Malachi. Okay, Zechariah is, Zechariah is really remarkable. It's a longer book. It's 13 chapters, almost, uh, yeah, 13 chapters. And he ministers both before and after the temple was rebuilt. Mm -hmm. He's there in Israel uh, after the time of Ezekiel, after the time of of, uh, Jeremiah, the, the destruction of the temple, the 70 years of exile, and now he is there uh, with his visions about, uh, and he talks about things, uh, details of the Messiah's life mm-hmm. that would come hundreds of years later, uh, for, for at least 400 years, 450 years later in the life of Jesus of Nazareth. Zechariah has a lot of prophetic information about the Messiah. Uh, let me see what I can give us about the book of Zechariah. Um, he talks about Jesus. He talks about the good shepherd. He talks about the 30 pieces of silver. Mm-hmm. He A lot of details that yeah. took place in the life of Jesus. He has eight uh, visions from the Lord in the first six chapters of his book. He has these eight visions. One is he has some angelic messengers. And then he has the, the vision of the four horns and the four blacksmiths, which reminds you of the vision of Daniel, mm-hmm. the four horns. Uh, and then the man measuring Jerusalem. He has a picture of a, a man named Joshua given clean robes, a lampstand with an unending supply of oil, which is a prediction of the Holy Spirit, uh, oil being a, a, a biblical symbol of the Holy Spirit, the anointing oil. Uh, we are now, as God's people, anointed with the Holy Spirit from the time we give our life to the Lord. Then there's a flying scroll and a woman in a basket that's sent back to Babylon and four horses and chariots. Those are some of the visions of of um, Zechariah. It's a very interesting book, and particularly his. Uh, he's quoted a great deal in the New Testament as well. Yeah. Um, and his name uh, means Yahweh remembers, I believe. Which mm, and interesting. Yeah, I think uh, overall to me it points very much to the promises. Oh, yeah. He's a promise keeper. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 
And he is the one that predicts, uh, there's a lot of messianic details, but he's the one that predicts that the Messiah would enter into Jerusalem, into Jerusalem Mm -hmm. on the back of a donkey. Mm -hmm. So when we come to Palm Sunday and in the the Holy Week, the last week of Jesus' life leading up to to his, um, what we call Semana Santa in, in Espanol, uh, the, the Passover, the final Passover and the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus, all that takes place in that last week. It starts with uh, the Messiah, Jesus, riding a donkey, in, and that was predicted in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. Uh, and Zechariah would have been a contemporary, he, he would have, uh, young Zechariah would have been during the era of Xerxes, is that right? Xerxes and, uh, am, am I with the right time period? <laughs> I I'm afraid to say yes to that <laughs> <coughs> because I'm I'm at the stage of life, my dear daughter, when I have forgotten more than I actually know. <laughs> There's a lot to <laughs> and remember I, in there. Xerxes, Artaxerxes, I mean, Xerxes is second, then Artaxerxes, and then the other. I kind of get them mixed up, but uh, what were you going to say, though? It, assuming for a moment that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> assuming that that is the case. Well, I think it, um, he he would have early on been seeing very much God's hand in bringing about um, a salvation and a hope in a seemingly hopeless oh, situation. Yeah. So well, there you are again, reminding us that these prophets in this this what we're reading about Zechariah and yeah. Haggai, Zephaniah, it took place yeah. in real time yeah. in real history. And in a time, and there was a yeah. there was a Xerxes, yeah. a Xerxes second, Artaxerxes, mm-hmm. and. A, so that was the world they lived in, and here he is in his little part of that world talking about the Messiah that is to come. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Uh, in chapter 11, Zechariah talks about a good shepherd. And the good shep- shepherd, the good shepherd's salary is what he mentions the shepherd of the, mm-hmm. the salary of the good shepherd, mm-hmm. and it's the amount that was paid. For a slave that was gored by an ox, how many pieces of silver did Zechariah mention that was these pieces of silver that were gone, going to be thrown on the temple floor? Well, I do know the answer to that, but well, okay, so the, the go ahead and answer it. Well, thirty. Thirty pieces of silver. Yeah. How many pieces of silver were thrown on the temple floor yeah. for uh, mm-hmm. when when um, Judah? Judas betrayed Jesus. There were 30 pieces of silver thrown on the temple floor. A very interesting (laughs) piece of uh, prophetic work there. Um, Coming from the book of Zechariah, the 30 pieces of silver that were thrown on the temple floor Mm -hmm. for betraying betraying the good shepherd. Very, very interesting. I also think, you know, this time period in the Minor Prophets, uh, it does remind me of that great C.S. Lewis quote. It does seem a time that's just marked by heightened acute pain. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Every, you know, but God was speaking of, in the God midst of that speaking, pain. Yeah. And you think of these prophecies and how did they know? How did they hear God's voice? And it reminds me of that quote where he says, We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. 
And I Pay think attention. Of that with these God may be saying a lot of good <laughs> things to us, important things to us today. Right? Yes, yes. See you next week. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.